We know he's injured. We don't really know what he's been thinking. At least we didn't until John had a sit-down interview with him. Let's hear from John Krasinski on the John Krasinski Show uh, about his long conversation with Carl Anthony Towns. We'll also get into just what was going through Tom Thibodeau's head as the Timberwolves opened the game by hitting 10 straight shots on his defense. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm glad the man is still alive today is what all I have to say. Again, this is the John Krasinski show starring John Krasinski. This is part of talknorth.com. Best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It's the easiest way to listen. Uh, we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Our producers, Brandon Morton. Our other sponsors, TSR Injury Law, All Energy Solar, Head Flyer Brewing, and Manscaped. All right, John, tell us about your chat with Kat. Yeah, so um, I think that over the last four months, we have seen a lot of frustration grow within the fan base. Even like there's been a lot of consternation among us in the media about you know, what is really going on with Carl Anthony Towns? Why has it taken this long? And, you know, why have we not heard from him directly other than kind of the one Twitch stream uh, uh, announcement that he put out about the grade three uh, strain of his calf and, and kind of trying to reset the expectations around him. And for a long time, he was just kind of, I think, content to be, quiet and just go through the process and figure things out. Um, and I think that by the end of last week, as he started to join into five on five workouts with some of the coaches and some of the players who are not in the, in the rotation, as he really started to feel like, as he told me that there was a light at the end of the tunnel, I think it made him a little more comfortable about talking directly and specifically about a lot of the things that he went through. I think up until the last week or so, he really has not known when he was going to be able to come back and play. And so it was very hard for him to think about articulating things and, and even looking in a more positive direction because uh, it was just so uncertain about how the calf was going to recover and and when it was going to allow him to get back out there. And so now that he is on, I would say, the precipice of returning, and we're recording this on Tuesday night, uh, he could, you know, I, I think Sham Sharani, my my um, my colleague, said that there's optimism that he could play as soon as Wednesday. Maybe it's Wednesday, maybe it's Sunday in Golden State, but it sure seems like something is right around the corner. I think he finally felt comfortable with at least like just having a conversation about what all this has gone through. And so we talked a lot about the difficulties he's had about the setback that he went through about the communication of the injury and, and things of that nature. And I think it was just a really good vi uh, a meaty way to get into it and see his perspective on things um, as he prepares to ramp up and, and get back on the court here. Of course, people can find that article at The Athletic, but give us some of the highlights. What What did you, when you're sitting there talking to him, what jumped out at you? Yeah, a couple of things. Well, one, the, the kind of the, I think the most specifically newsy element of it was, you know, we had wondered why it was taking so long for him to come back. And he did say that he did have a setback uh, in his recovery process in January that ultimately really in his words said that he had to kind of start back over from scratch in his rehab process. Now, a lot of Wolves fans will remember that he uh, 
uh, yeah, that in middle, late January, he had come out of his walking boot. It looked like he was starting to make more progress just in walking around in terms of seeing him on the sideline and, and things of that nature. And then all of a sudden, uh, he was gone for a couple of games and we didn't see where he was. And then he posted a picture on his Instagram account of him uh, in a boot again. And uh, and so we kind of thought that that meant that he may have had a setback. We asked Chris Finch about it. He said there were no setbacks, um, but Towns really confirmed in our conversation that, yes, there was there was a setback. And that is why, you know, the recovery timetable got extended to the degree that it did. Um, he didn't say specifically what it was. Did he re-tear it or, or, or restrain it? Was there something that happened in, in workouts as he tried to ramp up? Was it something that happened elsewhere? Um, that he did not say, but, um, he was, you know, very definitive that something did happen to set him back. And, and that is why he was not back. Uh, sooner and you know there there he I think he has heard some concerns from fans about hey is he putting everything that he could into the rehab is he taking this seriously and uh he wanted to tell everyone that yes he has taken it very seriously and if anything they have been overly cautious because they do not want to have some sort of re-injury like happened to Jordan McLaughlin Certainly, you know, like happened to Kevin Durant back when he was coming back from a calf strain and ended up tearing his Achilles. So he went through this process with a painstaking amount of care and just really wanted to make sure that he was in the right spot. And so that to me was the biggest thing. We can get into some other things, but just for him to say, yes, I did have a setback and it did cause me to kind of reset my rehab process. Um that I think in it of itself was pretty a, a pretty significant reveal, even if maybe a lot of us assumed that had been the case uh, previously. So was Chris Finch fibbing? So here's the thing. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think that he was lying um, about it, but I do think that one of the things that, became clear through this process and really that we have seen in all all sports is that to put a head coach in the position of giving medical updates and trying to characterize how a player's health is coming along is uh fraught with peril i would say and i just don't think that finch was in a position to accurately and confidently describe what was going on day to day. He would tell us often that while Carl Anthony Towns was out, he kind of had to immerse himself, Finch did, in what they had to do day to day to win games and prepare for those games. I don't think that he was neck deep in the science of what was happening with Carl Anthony Towns. And so when he said no, I think that either A, there was some... Uh, misunderstanding of the situation or probably uh, more more likely was B that he didn't feel like he was it, the person who should be making that announcement that Carl Anthony Towns, it is well known, uh, prefers to have privacy with the communication of his injuries, with um, his situation. And um, I just think that probably Chris Finch looked at this and said, this is this is Carl Anthony Towns's domain to 
let out there what he feels like uh, he is comfortable being out there. And, and so I think it was more that that statement from Finch was more of a, a nod of respect and to Carl Anthony Towns and what he wanted more than any kind of attempts to subvert or to minimize or to not tell the truth. And so um, one thing that one other thing that Carl Anthony Towns told me in our interview, you know, I asked him like, Hey, cat, like why was there um, a lack of transparency? Was this more about your request or desire for privacy? And is that what was kind of driving the vagueness that was surrounding this? And he didn't deny that. But what he did say is that for from his perspective, he didn't feel comfortable really speaking a whole lot because he was so uncertain about the timeline of things. He did not know when he was going to be back. He didn't know what this process was going to be like. And we're talking in November and December into January and, and, and right on through it. Um, especially I think after the setback, it told him that there just really was so much that was not known and he did not feel comfortable kind of sharing that. And I do think that the Timberwolves medical staff and, PR staff and all that looked at, looked at this and said, there's no way really to um, put an accurate timetable on things. And so they thought better, it, it would it'd be better to not put any pressure on things and just let him go through his process and the, and the twists and turns and the ups and downs that go with that. Um, one thing that I thought was really important when, it, in our conversation was Towns would, would said, I wished we would have communicated better about this situation. So fans did not get the wrong ideas. But to me, like the most important word in that sentence was we, I think that Carl Anthony Towns was not pointing a finger at the Timberwolves, at the PR staff, at the communications or at the medical staff, at any of that saying, it's your fault that people are so frustrated. I think he realizes that he takes some ownership of that as well and that there just was just too much uncertainty for him to be out there being a little bit more controlling of the of, of his own message and so um it was a kind of a him describing it as a collective and i don't think he was mad at finch for saying what he said because there just wasn't a whole lot in his eyes to say even if you and i even if a lot of fans would have appreciated more transparency would have appreciated them saying hey yes Carl Anthony Downs did suffer a setback we will reevaluate in several weeks they just never thought that was the right train of a uh, of approach here and so um they didn't go about it that way but I think that Carl started to realize fairly recently that he needed to kind of get out there and talk to the fans and and address this in a way and and that's what he did with with our conversation I have two reactions. I want your reactions to my reactions. First is Chris Finch is a good guy and he has a really good reputation with us, uh, with the media, with fans around basketball. He just got, he just got to be really careful. He just don't, don't put yourself in a position where anybody can accurately accuse you of, of being misleading or of lying. Uh, just, you know, it's just not, it's not smart. I've covered so many people through my career. And the one thing I can say about so many of them is whether we're getting along or not getting along or whether they're winning or losing, 
is they didn't lie. Tom Kelly never lied to me. And McPhail never lied to me. And I can, I could take you through a hall of fame list of local coaches and executives who, even when they weren't being forthcoming, they refused to lie. He's got to be really careful about that. The other thing is uh, one name we haven't mentioned here, Tim Connolly is getting paid, you know, ungodly amounts of money to run this or the basketball operation. I think he should have been the person stepping forward and saying, okay, listen, I can go have a conversation with Carl Anthony Towns and with the medical staff and with Chris Finch and figure out and be the point person of what we're going to say at this point. Even if what he's going to say is can't tell you much, just get out mm-hmm. there and be the, be the front man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think two things on that. Um, and, and like, this is kind of a roundabout thing way to, to, to address this, but Jim, you remember, um, way with the twins garden hire, um, would give sometimes inaccurate or wrong or say the, you know, too much or, or, or make, make statements to the media about a player's health that proved to be unreliable. That and is true. I, and he, and he got frustrated with it. Um, and I think that some players got, got frustrated with it as well. Um, and so what they ended up, the twins ended up doing, which was above and beyond, which like was remarkable, but Terry Ryan would meet with twins beat writers every day. Um, and essentially it, it, it started out with at least under the auspices of, Hey, if you have medical questions, give them to me, I will answer them to the best of our abilities. Then it turned into obviously a lot more um, with those daily um, availabilities, but it became clear to the twins that they needed to have someone else speak for the organization when it came to injuries, because with all of the things that Gardy had on his plate, um, maybe with his in general disposition toward injury updates, um, that's just kind of the thing, you know, it, it, it just was either too much or he was not qualified or whatever it was. And so I do think that maybe you're right in terms of should Tim Connolly, should someone in the organization have been out there offering more regular updates about the situation and take the, the burden off of Chris Finch to, to answer these questions. That's, I think that's an entirely realistic request um which leads me to the the kind of thing that my impression of, of this whole thing is that a lot of the strategy toward handling the communication of this injury as i've talked to more and more people about it and certainly got carl's comments about it was i think that the wolves in general were trying to be deferential to Carl and somewhat and protect his privacy um, and may have gone overboard in doing that. Um, I think that uh, there should have been some realization, whether it is on probably more on Carl's part, but especially on the Wolves part as well, that, hey, the longer this goes on without any sort of communication, um, the the more damage it can do or more speculation it can fuel. And that's usually not good for the player. And so I think in their efforts to respect Carl Anthony Towns' privacy, to just let him quietly work through these things, 
they probably erred in not being, not having someone like Tim out there a little bit more regularly. Heck, maybe talk to Greg Farnham. Maybe you talk to, um, to, to one of the doctors that he's met with or, or something like that to accurately describe things and, um, and, and really kind of putting too much of that burden on Finch on the day to day and, and putting him in a position that, was really difficult for him to navigate and that we've seen many other coaches, football, baseball, basketball, hockey have difficulty navigating. It's just a tough situation for a coach to be in. So hopefully they learn from that and maybe they handle things differently going forward that way. Good stuff. I want to get to the next game. It was a blast. First, we want to tell you that we've been proud partners with TSR Injury Law for a very long time. 612-TSR-TIME. If you're injured, call 612-TSR-TIME. They will help you in whatever way they can. If they take your case, they will only charge you. If they win your your case, they win a lot of cases. That's why they are a great Minnesota success story. 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. Now now let's hear about another great Minnesota success story, Head Flyer Brewing. Yeah, Jim, um, we're recording this on, on Tuesday now. I stopped in to Head Flyer this afternoon to meet with Neil, with Nate, with Sean, with a bunch of the guys over there, and they are brewing up the latest batch of Crunch Time beer. Um, and so I kind of helped dump some hops in, um, get this thing going, and it's super exciting. Last year, we, we, we released it as a collaboration with Talk North and Head Flyer. Very um, popular beer. Uh, it tastes great. Um, it's, a, it's a kind of a, a blue moony citrus type of a beer. And it's perfect for spring going into summer. And so they are getting that brewing and it is going to be out early in April. We'll have more announcements on that coming up, hopefully having a a, a podcast live there to kind of unveil it and and get after it. So um, really keep your eyes out for that for Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. One other uh, thing to promote from Head Flyer is they are having their sixth year anniversary on Sun on Saturday, April 22nd. And it is going to be a super cool kind of festival to celebrate the success that they have had. They are going to have some awesome musical acts there. They're going to have a, a kind of a big concert in the parking lot right by uh right next to Head Flyer. They're gonna have Pert near Sandstone, the Alex Rossi Trio, Harlow, and in the new Sound Underground is going to be there as well having music they're gonna have food trucks from parlor bar from bad rooster um there to to have food and they're gonna have uh, some new beer releases all sorts of new specials they're gonna be selling swag i'm gonna try and stop by there if the wolves aren't on the road in the playoffs april 22nd the sixth year anniversary for head flyer brewing in northeast minneapolis stop by hopefully you get some great weather get to be outdoors listen to some great music and have some great beer Excellent. Uh, want to save money on your solar install? Find out what incentives you could qualify for at allenergysolar.com slash coach, as in basketball coach, slash coach. If you go to that part, that website, you will find out all about All Energy Solar, which has been delivering quality solar installations for homes and businesses since 2009. Go to that website to get a free quote. Uh, you want to get, be more green, solar energy can help. Find out how to get a free site assessment at allenergysolar.com slash coach. The electrical grid has limited space for renewable energy, so beat the Russian plan your solar installation soon. Uh, same website, get your free assessment. Solar with energy storage can provide peace of mind during winter storms. Read All Energy Solar's ebook 
energy storage plus solar at allenergysolar.com slash battery. So either go to allenergysolar.com slash coach or allenergysolar.com slash battery. Now hear from John on Manscaped. This is a public service announcement. Manscaped now has beard products and is going even further with their brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. Go ahead and tell the world the leaders in below-the-waist grooming are traveling north of your South Pole with their revolutionary grooming products. The new Weed Whacker 2.0 and their new beard line confirms they have all the best tools for your hygiene toolbox. Time for you to upgrade your game by going to manscaped.com and using our code ATHLETIC for 20% off plus free shipping. Gentlemen, meet the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It is the ultimate package that makes it easier than ever to craft your signature look. It all starts with the cordless electric Beard Hedger. The Beard Hedger is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. This waterproof cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 haircutting lengths, all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. The Pro Kit also comes with four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care. It includes Manscaped's beard shampoo and conditioner, beard oil, and beard balm to moisturize, style, and shimmer your new beard. Your significant other will be delighted to see you covering all the bases, if you know what I mean. So get 20% off and free shipping with our code athletic at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code athletic. So I was on vacation in New Orleans last week. I was keeping tab, tabs on Minnesota sports, but I wasn't watching a lot of games. Shame so on I come you. Back, I know. I come back from a week of vacation. I go cover a press conference. I'm home fairly early on Monday night. And I'm looking forward to watching the Timberwolves play, even without Townsend Edwards. And I'm looking forward to seeing Tibbs storming up and sat down the sideline. And tell you what, you know, we spend a lot of time uh, on what is wrong with local sports teams. It was such a great night. I sat down, the Bally Sports broadcast comes on, and they show a shot of New York City at dusk. And I'm like, God, I love being at New York City at dusk. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite places, one of my favorite times of day. And, and I'm even more fired up. Watch, you know, our, watch Peterson and Grady on the pregame show. They do, as always, a nice job setting things up with Katie Storm. Game starts, and the Wolves hit 10 straight shots against a very good Knicks team and a great defensive coach in Tom Thibodeau. They get a big lead. You know the Knicks are going to come back. They're a good team and playing at home. They come back, they get the lead, and the Wolves overtake them, finish it out with incredible clutch shooting. That was, I mean, we're always talking about where they are in the playoff race and, of course, all the context that always applies. But just for a night of entertainment, that was fantastic. Yeah, and and so unexpected, Jim. I mean, I think one of the things that I wrote about at The Athletic about that game is there. Ha- when you look at the totality of this season, certainly the Wolves have had to deal with a lot of adversity with Towns being out, several other injuries, you know, over the course of the season, especially Ant being out the last couple of games. Um, and they have done a good job of keeping afloat. But this season has kind of lacked many of those wins that you look at and say, wow, they had no business winning this game. And yet they somehow figured out a way to scratch and claw and, you know, hustle and and just outcompete and and pull one out of their rear ends um and i felt like this was one of the first ones they did that i did not expect them to win 
that game going into the game at New York without Ant, without Carl Anthony Towns against a team that had won 12 of its last 15 games. That is really tough. That plays really hard all the time. I just didn't see that coming. And certainly I did not see it coming by just breathtaking offense. Um, unbelievable shooting from Torian Prince from Mike Conley. Nas Reed throwing sky hooks at Julius Randle and Isaiah Hartenstein. Like in like it was an incredible offensive display of ball movement, of shooting, and then just of real guts. We had so much fun last year watching this team use kind of its willpower to win a bunch of games that maybe it shouldn't have. This year, that team hadn't had that same kind of fiber yet, but this was a guts game. This was dig down deep. You weather them uh, coming back from 17 down. You're down five points with four minutes to go, and they still found a way I think that it was probably their best win of the season, just given all of that and given that, oh, by the way, Utah beat Sacramento, um, Golden State won. Had the Wolves lost, they would have been in 11th place in the West um, and, and would have been in real trouble. And they're not by any means clear of this, but, uh, or, or, but and they have a long way to go, but getting that win was just so needed for a team that was in a real dark spot. Uh, you're just going into that game. No doubt about it. And uh, Torian Prince, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I've always loved his game and I love what he's done for this team and his attitude, his leadership, but to shoot it like that, I mean, there's just no substitute in the NBA for making shots. And, and in the modern NBA, there's no substitute for making three pointers. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's it. And, and, you know, like we, um, I, I really do believe that over the last four months, people have really discounted Carl Anthony Towns' absence. And one of the things that he brings to the table is three-point shooting. And there are not a lot of guys on this roster who can hit five or six threes in a game without breaking a sweat. Towns is one of them. Torian Prince, we do not expect for him to go eight for eight from three every game. That's not a sustainable recipe for success, but every once in a while in a season, that's 82 games, you want to get a couple of those out of nowhere shooting displays. And you're right. It is the great equalizer. They, 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 they hit five threes in total uh, in the loss to Toronto on Saturday. They hit their first five threes in the first quarter um, I, I, on, on, on Monday in New York and it changed everything. Julius Randle scored 57 points. He had 52 points through three quarters. And yet the wolves were still in front, not because they had another guy, they had their own guy scoring 50. I mean, Prince was hot and, and playing very well, but because they had a bunch of guys who were knocking down shots and democratically keeping the wolves from totally falling apart. And that to me is just like, it is the power of it. It's a make or miss league. And a lot of, you know, a lot of coaches say that a lot of players say that, and it seems like it's sort of pejorative or patronizing, but it really isn't like if you can knock down threes and they hit 14 of them, if you can knock down threes at a good rate. You can beat anyone on every, any given night. And it, you know, watching, 
Prince and Conley who came up huge and Jaden McDaniels and even Jalen Noel didn't hit threes, but, but getting his presence back there was huge. Like getting guys who can just get buckets on a team that has really struggled to get buckets for much of the season. Um, yeah, that it was, it was remarkable. We totally unexpected, but, but the kind of, uh, of, of night that you, sh- you, you should hope to get every once in a while. And they sure got it and the, and they needed it in the worst possible way. How much of the Knicks' success this year is due to Tibbs' coaching? Well, I will say this, man. Um, November, December, they were sort of languishing uh, in the standings, and there were a lot of people that were calling for Tibbs' head. He was in trouble in New York, backed into a corner, however you want to term it. Uh, But one thing that he does in those situations is he doesn't feel sorry for himself. Um, he doesn't kind of lament. All he does is dig in and work harder. And he has gotten that team to buy in again to that sort of ethos. Um, I don't think they had it last year. I think they were a little bit worn out by it. But you get Jalen Brunson in there, who's a Tibbs guy. You get Josh Hart in there, who's very much a Tibbs kind of guy. They have more guys of his personality on that team now, and he's done a really good job with them. Uh, I think he made a few, um, how would I say it, compromises and and for a very uncompromising uh, coach and um, and including playing a few more of the young guys more than he was earlier in the season, sitting down Evan Fournier and Derek Rose and, and going with younger guys. And so that's a tribute to Tom Thibodeau and um, they've done a really good job. They've built a good team around him. Um, but Tibbs definitely deserves credit for not letting the noise that was considerable in the first month or two of the season uh, derail the whole thing. And uh, he, he's done a really good job at just focusing on the work and doing that. And that's, that's his favorite thing to do. Thanks for listening to talk Let's get a final Thought from John Krasinski. Of course, you can also hear John on the Viking Update show. We have Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. We have Russo LaPanta on the Wild. We have a bunch of other hockey shows. Uh, we have a really good chin music show as baseball ramps up with Roy Smalley and Lavelle Neal. Uh, John Millay on preps. Check it all out at talkdork.com along with all of our outdoor content. Dave Lee, Joe Anderson, Mike Grimm on the Gophers. Thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. Final thought from John. Yeah, just two final thoughts to close, yep. Jim. First of all, um, uh, the as we were recording this podcast, the Timberwolves issued their injury report for the game on Wednesday against Atlanta, and Carl Anthony Towns has been upgraded from out to questionable. That Ooh. is a very big designation. Um, when you get out of that sort of um, that just out category, that usually means that you are very, very close to coming back. So I think it's entirely possible, you know, given it, see how his body responds after whatever workouts they had on Tuesday and then what happens Wednesday before the game. But I think it's a very realistic thing to see towns back in the lineup against uh, the Hawks on Wednesday night. I don't think it's out of the question that Anthony Edwards plays uh, against the Hawks as well. We'll see about that, but I think it's, it's a possibility. At least he is also listed as questionable. So really encouraging for, for that development and that kind of official status update um, on, on both of them. Uh, did you have anything on that? Sorry. 
no, no. Oh, okay. Yep. And then finally, um, Marnie Gellner announced today on KFAN uh, that she has breast cancer. Oh. And she, um, it's very early stages. The, she is very confident. Her doctors are very confident that she's going to get through this um, and, and be just fine coming out on the other side of it. Um, but just wanted to extend all the well wishes in the world to Marnie, who we absolutely love to death, who, um, has had an outpourings of, of support today from around the Timberwolves links community from around just the twin cities in general. And she deserves every bit of it. She is one of the very best in the business, not just for her talent, but just for her heart, for her, um, you know, the way that she is such a friend to all of us. And so, uh, we love you, Marnie. We're thinking of you and we're, we're here to support you through uh, all the thick and thin as you go through this. Well said. Thank you for letting us know. Uh, good Lord. Um, well, thoughts, all of our thoughts are with Marnie. Thank you for letting us know. We'll talk more about that, uh, in future weeks here. Thanks for everything, John. Thanks to Brandon. We will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.